Wow, what a wonderful song. Hope has a name. That's a, that's a wonderful song of worship. And of course, it followed the video, and I know that your heart and your life happen to be impressed with that. I want to encourage you, no matter where you are right now, as I deliver the word of the Lord, and I believe that God has a special anointing upon this word today. I believe that every person listening, no matter where you are, God is going to speak to your heart. That's been my prayer. God, revisit me. Revisit me personally and spiritually in my own life as this message became alive in my life. And there's no better day for the Holy Spirit to minister and to meet your need and maybe for many of us to redeem us and cause us to recommit to Jesus than on this very special Easter Sunday. You know, as we talk about Easter, it's that time where we believe for the resurrection. That resurrection is real. And when you give your life to Jesus, our heart is resurrected from death into life. And we know that, that the resurrection had a special significance. For example, every date when you date a calendar, you relate back to the death and resurrection of, of Jesus Christ. If you put your birth date down, it refers to that period of time. It moved, of course, from B.C. to A.D., separated timelines as we understand it. And we know that the greatest thing that it did, it validated the authenticity of the testimony of Jesus Christ, the Son of God. As a matter of fact, the resurrection caused Jesus to be able to declare that that individual that he said that he was, that he really was that individual. And here's what he said. He warned the disciples. He warned everyone listening to him. This is what he said. He said, I'm going to die on the cross visibly. He said, I'm going to come back in the resurrection on the third day. And he said, I'm going to walk around Jerusalem for some 40 days. And after that, I will have proven that there is life after death. And that's a point that we need to hold on to as individuals. There there is life after death. There is promise after a challenge that's taken place in our lives. Peter summed it up this way in 1 Peter 2. He said, God has called you to endure suffering because Christ suffered for you. He also left you an example that you and I, that we could follow in his footsteps. You see, Jesus' death and burial and resurrection happened to be a part of the worst day of your life, maybe. The tragedy of your life, the unexpected circumstances that often hit you, and, and maybe at times we, uh, we get confused and depressed and we hit despair. And this is what Jesus said. When you hit those rough times and those difficulties, he said, follow me. I've given you an example of what you need to do when you face life and life is tough with you. We're going to talk about three days, three days. We're going to talk about Friday. That was the day of suffering and agony for Jesus. We call it Good Friday. It was anything but a Good Friday for Jesus. And then there was Saturday. It's the day of loss and grief and confusion and, and misery, especially for the disciples. And we all live through a Saturday. But then after Saturday, there is Sunday 
We call that Easter. It's the joy of celebration. It, it shares with us there is victory that following every Friday and every Saturday, there is a Sunday. And in our lives, we're going to go through these three days many times. Many times we're going to have nothing in our path but just agony and pain and difficulty. And then we're going to have days where there's going to be confusion. Why this, God? How did that happen? What did I do to deserve that? And then all of us, if you've been followers of Jesus Christ, and even if you haven't been a follower, you're going to enjoy a victory. You're going to enjoy a win. You're going to enjoy something that says, wow, what a life I enjoy living. We know that Friday was the day of pain. Let's take a look at that. It was the day of reckoning. It was the day Jesus experienced his first physical pain that was known to him. He was beaten, and we know, cat of nine tails, whipped his beard plucked, scourged, meaning the cat of nine tails, literally tore the flesh off his back. Nine times, 40 stripes. Can you imagine the wounds that were there? When that happened to him, he had had no sleep. He'd been up for hours, no food, no water. And then after all of that torture, nailed to the cross. And when nailed to the cross, we know that they took his body down. You see, death by crucifixion was suffocation. You just could not get breath and lung in your lungs or air in your lungs. And, and that's what the Bible prophesied. It says, in fact, that God chose the moment, not the cross, not the crucifixion, with which Jesus would breathe his last breath. The physical pain was greater because it was death by humiliation. Can you imagine? He was the Son of God, person of royalty, had his throne in heaven and came down and was humiliated and crucified as a criminal. This is a man who never sinned, never told a lie, never told a bad story, never had a thought that would be unholy. It was also spiritual pain. Because on his shoulders, this is what we should shout about, on his shoulders was every sin ever committed, every rape, every murder, every molested child, every holocaust, everything that is known to man that would be called sin was on his shoulders. Voluntarily, he's on that cross. It's no wonder that he cried out, my God, my God, why have you forsaken me? The weight of sin was great. The movie, The Passion of Christ, depicts that crucifixion and depicts him being buried in that tomb about as good as any movie I've ever seen. It is so visible. It is, is so real. As a matter of fact, it really is hard to watch. It causes us to be able to see what kind of pain really existed. As a matter of fact, some tell us that even what is depicted in The Passion of Christ was not enough to be able to identify the real deep pain that Jesus was facing. Well, we're facing what some might be considered some painful circumstances now. Nothing compared to the crucifixion. We would call it COVID-19, the virus that is there that first appeared here in our nation on January the 21st. People said there's nothing much to it. It's a virus. We don't know where it came from. But as of today, we're pushing toward at least 500,000 confirmed cases and some 17,000 plus people who have died. Pain, pain that is caused by this little invisible virus that we can't see. I've known of two friends who have passed away, young and old, 
as a result of what we're facing today. No longer can you get out and about. It's caused us to be captured in time. Stay at home is the order. It brings fear and frustration and confusion, and death hovers seemingly over our nation. But you see, there's more. We trust in Jesus Christ. We know that this COVID-19 is not the only thing that we've ever faced. Maybe you faced a death in your family that was certainly untimely. You faced a divorce. You faced a mental nervous breakdown. You faced financial reverse when you were flat broke. You remember our testimony in a moment ago that April actually said, hey, my whole life caved in. I had nothing, had nothing. She said, I drank tequilas for breakfast, lost 70 pounds. Her tale was that her husband, now Jason, was her bartender, not a preacher, but a bartender. You think, how could a woman of her stature, of her professional expertise, get into that kind of a condition? I can tell you, it was the power of sin. That sin comes in and offers no hope. And when hope can be found, it's always a facade. It's not real. So Hebrews 2.18 says this to all of us. He said, since Jesus went through suffering and temptation, he knows what it's like when we suffer and when we are tempted, he is able to help us. I'm going to ask you to say that with us there at home. He is able to help us. Let's say it together. Here we go. He is able to help us. I know that we believe that and we trust God in tough times. May I suggest today that, that God will, in fact, open his arms to you if you exercise your faith and you say, God, I am hopeless, but I, I need hope. He says, I am able to help you. If you're sick and not able to get around and finances are down, I'm here to tell you, he can say, if you'll let me, I'll reach down and touch you because I am able. And most importantly, if you're unsure of your relationship with Christ and you're not certain that you're headed to heaven, you know what he says to you today? I suffered so that you don't have to suffer. And if you'll open your heart, I'll come into your life and make things brand new. A couple of things that he did, Jesus did when he faced Good Friday. One of those is this, he reached out for his friends. When we become isolated, we become pained, we become sick, we become frustrated. It's important that we remember what Jesus did. He told a couple of his disciples, two or three of them, he said, come hang with me, just come, I, I need to go pray. He was in an olive grove in the Mount of Olives. I've been there numerous times, right there in that place that they say where Jesus prayed. As a matter of fact, Matthew 26 says, Jesus took with him his disciples to Gethsemane and said, stay with me here. I just need you to be present with me while I pray. And he took Peter, James, and John. And he was filled with anguish and, and deep distress. He had friends there to encourage him. That is so important. You see, it's not the time during troubled times of your life to isolate yourself. Here's what I found. When people are not living right, they began to live a life of loneliness away from any influence that would bring them back to a personal relationship with Jesus Christ. I've watched people over and over and over who once at one time in their life up front and center excited about Jesus Christ, but when they begin to make mistakes and begin to pull away from God as a result of pulling away 
They begin to hide in the darkness. They begin to live in the shadows. Well, I want you to know that as followers of Jesus Christ, we don't need to live in the shadows. We can call on our friends. We can call on one another. And not only that, we can encourage one another. Just yesterday, my sister gave me a call. I have three sisters. She said to me, I was just thinking about you, you and Sharon. I just thought I'd call and see how you're doing. And so I said, well, we're doing good. How about you? And she said, I'm good. Just needed to hear your voice and let you know how much I love you. Can I tell you over the last several days and weeks, numerous individuals in our church have called me and they have other members of our staff and said, just checking to see how you're doing. That's important. That's a part of the Christian faith that we support one another. And sometimes people don't tell you the truth. You say, well, how are you doing? And people give you that stock answer. Oh, I'm fine. Everything's good. Really, is every, everything good? Oh, yeah, yeah, I'm fine. May I suggest to you, here's what Jesus said to his friends. Notice this. He said, my heart is so overwhelmed and so crushed with sorrow, I feel like I'm dying. He never sugar-coated a thing. He told them straight out the truth. And Jesus said, hey, if you confess your pain to me, talking about the Lord Jesus Christ, he said, then you can learn to lean on someone else. I've given you family and friends. I've given you a support mechanism. As a matter of fact, the Apostle Paul in Galatians 6.2 said, carry one another's burdens, and in this way you fulfill the law of Christ. Well, what is the law of Christ? Love your neighbor as yourself. We really are to carry one another's burdens. What if you have a family member that's lost and it never really darkens the door of the church like Jason? You just give them what for? No, you love them. You're just there when they need you. You open your arms of understanding and say, just letting you know I'm praying for you. And if you ever need me, just give me a call. This is what Jesus was doing in the life of his disciples, and that's what he's doing in our lives. He's there with us every single minute of every day. And we're not afraid of what he experienced on Friday. He carried the pain, and he knows how to help us on Friday and on Saturday. Here's what he did. It says that when he went to the garden in Mark 14, Jesus fell on the ground and prayed that if it's possible that he would not have to suffer the pain. He was honest with God. And he said, I really don't want to have to drink of this cup of suffering. Nevertheless, Heavenly Father, I want you to know that it's not my will, but thy will be done. What did he do? He affirmed God's power. God, I know you can do anything. Don't lose that promise. I know you can do anything. Secondly, he expressed his desire. Heavenly Father, I don't want this pain. I don't really want to go through this. I really don't. But thirdly, but I trust you. I want your will, for it is not my will, but thy will be done. When he finished that prayer, the soldiers came in, took him away, put him through six mock fake trials, three Roman, three Jewish, and then nailed him to the cross and took him to the tomb and placed him there. Friday was the pain. We call it Good Friday. It was not a good Friday for him. Why do we call it a good Friday? Because he 
took the pain that we should have had. Saturday, the day of confusion. We experience many Saturdays in our lives. These last three days, Friday, the day of pain, and now Saturday with the question, what happened? The disciples said, how did we ever get to this place? What did this come to? This should have never happened. They didn't have any idea what happened. We were counting on Jesus never to go to a cross. We were counting on him. He was the Messiah to come off that cross, to set the record straight, to come against the Roman Empire. And then they felt condemned because they thought, we actually left him. We actually ran away from him. And though he was nailed to the cross, then what kept him there? And that's what's important. You see, my friend, Jesus could have called 10,000 angels. It wasn't the nails that kept him at the cross. It was his love for you. And you know the beautiful part about it in his covenant relationship with humanity? If you never even acknowledge him, he's still going to love you. But how beautiful it is when you decide in your heart, because you feel the power of conviction, to come clean with your sin and simply say, Lord Jesus, come in. And he steps in and he loves you like no one else. Do you know what he said? For this cause, I came into the world. And he said, no man takes my life from me. In other words, it was my desire and my mission to be able to administer redemption to you. So he stood as an individual sacrifice. Well, can you imagine the grief and the confusion of the disciples after the Messiah was supposed to overthrow, overthrow the Roman Empire? They must have imagined, what if we'd have managed this differently? What if we'd have stopped Judas from leaving the Passover supper? Maybe we could have prevented the crucifixion. It was Peter. Peter said, oh, Lord, I'll never deny you. Yet he did it. He did it three times. And what else did Jesus tell them on that Saturday or on that day before Friday? Then Jesus told them before the night's over, you're going to fall to pieces because of what happens to me. And then he said, at that point, all the disciples abandoned Jesus and they ran away and left him. You say, wow, how was it they left the Son of God? Well, maybe it's times we've deserted Jesus because he didn't answer our prayer. Maybe there are times that we haven't been as tightly knitted in our trust because we felt like he did not intervene. Maybe there are times that we may have even turned our back and said, God, I just don't want anything to do with God or, or the church. That's what April did. She said, I turned away. I left aside God's love in my life, and I lived my life. And I'm using this word in a rebellious way. But you know what? Through tough times, through tough times, God doesn't give up and he doesn't run. There may be times that you say, well, I know God, but I doubt his wisdom and I doubt his timing. And that's illustrated. Most everybody, you know who your dad is. You don't say that's not my dad. That is my dad. But there've been many times, even as much as you might love your dad, that you might say, well, I, boy, as I got older, I doubted his wisdom on a decision 
when I was a teenager, and I doubted his timing in that. I really did. But you never doubted the fact that he was your dad. Here's what we need to remember. We must remember the promises of God. Often Saturdays present us with the fact that that we don't have the slightest idea of what to do. And that's happening a lot in our nation now. First time we've ever faced anything in modern history like we're facing now. And so many people are in charge of making decisions that they don't know what to do next. They don't know where the coronavirus is going to hit next. They don't, they don't know how to supply properly in many circumstances. But the disciples, was, they were experiencing that on Saturday. How could we have messed this up? so badly even when jesus told them in john 16 i'm going to be gone and you'll be without me but after a while you'll see me again and you'll weep and you'll mourn and you will grieve but your grief will eventually turn to joy some seven thousand promises he said it to them straight out you're going to weep and you're going to grieve but eventually my promises are going to be yea and amen, and I'm going to bring you to a moment of joy. What happens when you can't lean on the promises of God? Well, you say, I don't even know the promises of God. And when you don't know the promises of God, and you're not exercising that faith that Jesus has given you, you have this emotion. It's called worry. 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 Yeah, worry. Anxiety comes in. Panic attacks. You get upset. You don't know where you're going next. You see, here it is. God steps to the plate through Jesus, and he says, I know everything that you're going through. Isaiah 61.3 says, I will give beauty for ashes. And then on in Isaiah 43, verse number 2, beginning, he said, when you go through deep waters and great trouble, I'll be with you. And when you go through rivers of great difficulty, you're not going to drown. And when you walk through the fire of oppression, you will not be burned. The flames will not consume you. For I am the Lord your God and Savior. You know how, do you know how he's able to say that? Because he had a Friday in which he paid the price. So the door swings wide open to every one of us that we don't have to live in sin. We don't have to live under oppression. We don't have to live in worry. We don't have to live in guilt we don't have to face the kinds of things that often unbelievers face because of disobedience. We can have the love and the joy and the promises of God because he said, hey, I am the Lord your God. Finally, Sunday came. Aren't you glad? Sunday. We know Friday was that day of pain, Saturday the day of confusion, but Sunday is a different story. It is a day of joy which meant you can rely on the power of Jesus Christ. You say, well, listen, I could get there on my own. No, you can't. Self-effort is not going to work. You can be like a little train trying to go up the mountain saying, I think I can, I think I can. But let me tell you something, it doesn't work. You can't resurrect yourself. Why? Because you need a Savior. And why do you need a Savior? You need salvation. If you could do it on your own, if you could do it on your own, then Jesus dying on the cross was a total waste. And my friend, if there was any other way to God than through Jesus Christ, then certainly God could have come up with a more simpler way to save his son all of that pain. But there was no other way. There is no other way. No matter what your challenge is, 
There is no other way. So what do you do? You reach out to the presence of Jesus. You remember the promises of Jesus. And you have to rely on the power of Jesus. And when you accept those three things, anything is possible. Why? Because here's what Jesus said to you and to me on this wonderful Easter Sunday. I am the resurrection and the life, and whoever believes in me, even though they die, will live again. And I will give them eternal life for believing in me, and they will never, never perish. Death is not the end of the story. God gives us hope. I know where you are. You're feeling conviction. Conviction is the love of God initiated by the Holy Spirit to identify a need in your life God desires to fix. I want him to fix some things in my own life. I'm saying, God, boy, you know, I messed that up. I live in a Saturday there, and I thought, how did that ever happen? And I didn't handle my Friday like I needed to handle it correctly. It was painful, and I pointed a finger of accusation to others. But God, here's what I know, that Sunday comes if you tarry. And we have an opportunity to ask you for forgiveness. And that conviction comes. You see, heaven is where there is eternal life and hope forever. How do you deal with guilt? We're going to do that in a moment. How do you deal with unbelief? How do you deal with deception and deceit? How do you deal with pain? There's only one way, and it's not a principle. It's not a principle. It's a person. His name is Jesus. Not rules or regulations. It's just Jesus. That's what Jason and April found out. She said to Jason, we, wanna, we need to go back to church. It's Easter Sunday, and in that service, the Holy Spirit of God, the same Holy Spirit we feel on this Easter Sunday, arrested them, and they prayed that prayer of repentance. And that big six-foot-nine bartender, his heart melted. And today, when we get back in worship, you can look in that second service right over there. You'll see him sitting there with April. And they worship every service. You see, that's the transforming power of Jesus Christ. Ephesians 1.19 says, I pray that you will begin to understand how incredibly great his power is to help those who believe him. It is the same mighty power that raised Christ from the dead. He's your friend. He's your answer. He is the only one. Paul writes in Philippians 3.10, I want to know Christ in the power of his resurrection and the fellowship, sharing of his sufferings and becoming like him in his death. In other words, he said, if I have to go through challenges in my life, I'd rather go through challenges holding the hand of Jesus. And if I know with or without God, I'm going to face some terrible and horrible Fridays. I at least want to know that I have someone that I can lean on when I go through them. Because I've come to the realization, I tried it all myself, and it was never good enough. But for those of you who found out, Jason found out, April found out, many of you have found out, it's a whole lot easier to simply lean on Jesus. And how did you do that to begin with? Paul writes in Romans 10, if you confess with your mouth 
that Jesus is Lord and you believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead, you will be saved. There it is. You'll be born again. You'll be brand new. You'll accept the hope that only comes in the person of Jesus Christ. So would you let God speak to you? And that stirring that you might be feeling, even right there at home or wherever you are, would you let the precious voice of the Holy Spirit come down and let you know that He loves you? Would you accept His invitation? Would you respond to Him? I want to give you an opportunity as we pray this prayer, and you can repeat it there wherever you are and you may want to repeat it out loud or say it right in your heart but if you say it you pray this prayer i promise you that moment you're going to be redeemed let's pray heavenly father i thank you for jesus christ i thank you lord jesus for dying voluntarily on the cross for my sins i'm grateful that i can receive forgiveness I haven't been truthful. I have been deceptive. I haven't been faithful. I haven't been obedient. I've tried to live my own life doing it my own way and tried to turn my back on you and acknowledge that you're not even there. But Lord Jesus, no matter where I went, you are there. So come into my heart today. As I confess my sin, I desire to serve you in the name of Jesus. Say that with me. In the name of Jesus. Amen. You see, the beautiful relationship that you now have, you now have is in the Lord Jesus Christ. No person can take that away from you. No individual can steal that away from you. Jesus told Peter, Satan would love to sift you, but he said he can't because you're in the palm of my hand and I'm keeping you safe. Now, I encourage you to mark this moment on this Easter Sunday of 2020. It'll probably be the most unusual Easter Sunday that we have ever had for many, many years. Well, the beautiful thing of it is, is when we give our heart to Jesus Christ, we can fellowship with him. And the best way to fellowship is through the power of communion. If you, in fact, you're at home or, or you maybe have a wafer or some bread or something that would represent the bread, then you have an opportunity to join us in communion. You see, the bread represents the broken body of Jesus Christ. That's why they broke it to pieces and as a result of breaking it it symbolized all the beating that jesus took on the cross but it also is the word of god so if you have your bread and you have some type of drink juice or whatever the case you say well my lord pastor this is not unleavened bread doesn't matter today you can consider whatever it is you're using to be holy for today. And I'm going to pray because there's healing in the fellowship of Christ. Father, 
I do pray over these elements. I thank you because of who you are, and I thank you for not bailing off the cross. I thank you for staying there. Lord Jesus, I thank you for being loyal, even though you expressed to the Father you'd rather do otherwise. You stayed true. In the middle of what we're facing today, and many families are piling in and living together and being closer than they've ever been, and that can't be all bad. God, there's that relationship, and that's what we want with you. I pray you'd bless this bread and bless this cup for your honor and glory. In Christ's name, amen. Let's take our bread together. The Bible said he took the cup. There was a common cup that Jesus used. Everybody drank out of the same cup. Aren't you glad we don't practice that in these contemporary times? So whatever that drink is that you have, we're going to believe that that's going to represent the blood of Jesus Christ and that his blood still has the power and there is forgiveness in the blood of Christ. Let's take the cup together. We heard the message of the Lord and we responded. We have allowed the Holy Spirit to speak to our heart and we've taken communion together. I pray that you'll enjoy this day. I pray that you'll celebrate it as a Sunday, a day of joy. Until God moves in the face of our planet and we're able to come back into this sanctuary, the church is not bound to four walls. Let the church shine through your own life, through others that you might see. Communicate, encourage one another. And let's believe that the best days of the propagation of the gospel is ahead. Happy Easter, everybody. God bless you. What an incredible word from our pastor today. If you made a decision to follow Jesus and to make him the Lord of your life, congratulations on making the greatest decision that you could ever make. But now here's what we wanna do as a church. We wanna come alongside you and partner with you in this new journey. If you could do us a favor and simply text the word HOPE to 863-400-1226, you will immediately receive a free seven-day devotional that you will get to go through with our staff. Or you can visit our website at victorylakeland.org and click the link at the top of our page. Be sure to join us online next Sunday morning as we begin a new message series we're calling Up. Every day, we're confronted by an epidemic of negativity, whether it's through the coronavirus, our job, financial stress, a relationship, or something else. In this new series, we will study how God's Word gives us some practical guidance to help us rise above it all. We can't wait to see you online next Sunday. And finally, if you have children, don't forget to head over to our website at victorylakeland.org live for our specially designed kids worship experience. Thank you so much for joining us on this Easter Sunday. We'll see you online next week.